for you were raised. Oh, we thank you for the gathering of the saints on an Easter Sunday. We thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit. I, I pray that you continue to cause our attention spans to be relaxed and centered on the Holy Scripture this morning. That any distraction that would come and turn our eyes away from the Word of God this morning would be dissipated. Be glorified in our affections, in our thoughts, in our living hope in you. I ask it in your name, our risen Savior, into the glory of your Father and our Father. Amen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. You may be seated. Why are you a Christian? Why do you fight against your sinful nature? Why do you give money to gospel ministries? Why do you pray? Why do you have standards of right and wrong? Why do you worship? Why do you sing with adoration and joy to a God you cannot see? Why do you abstain from sexual sin, from stealing, from slander, from lying? Why do you live your life powered by a living hope in an inheritance that is not of this world? but is reserved and kept for you after you are bodily raised from the dead. Why do you refer to Jesus as creator, as God, as Lord, as the I Am, as Yahweh, as Savior, the short answer is Good Friday and Easter Sunday. But Good Friday is not good unless Jesus' dead body was reunited with His soul and resurrected to immortal human life. As Paul declared, if Christ has not been raised, your faith, Christian, is futile. You're still in your sins. 
everything falls if Jesus from Nazareth had not been raised from the dead. And this issue divides the world. It divides families. It sometimes divides marriages. And so, after close to preaching a thousand sermons, I'm going to do something in a way that I've never done before. And that is, let's let the testimony of the New Testament pour over us, inundate us with the centrality of the bodily resurrection of Jesus. And so, what I'm going to do is read. I'm going to read a lot of Scripture. Ask the Lord, don't let your minds wander. But feel the flow of God's holy word and from the mouth of eyewitnesses. I'm going to begin with Matthew. And I'm going to be quoting from 17 New Testament books that are clear on the historical bodily resurrection of Jesus from Nazareth. So just, just relax and listen. You don't need to be turning. Matthew, he walked with Jesus. He hung out with Him. He ministered with Him for a few years. He was there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he also ate and drank with Jesus over a period of six weeks after he rose from the dead. And Matthew, he compiled his narrative of Jesus' life about 30 years after the resurrection. And he tells us that right after Peter's confession, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, quote, Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Matthew testifies that Jesus was telling them exactly what was going to happen. And he says, but we really didn't get it. In fact, Peter was so bold one day to pull Jesus aside and say, no, that's never going to happen to you. And then after the transfiguration, Matthew tells us, Jesus said to them, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. A few days later, Matthew says, As they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill Him, and He will be raised on the third day. Then later, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus tells his followers for a third time, We're going up to Jerusalem, 
And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priest and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, and flogged, and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. And at the Last Supper, Matthew was there and he tells us, Jesus said to them, After I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And then early on the third day after Jesus' bloody death, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb and they found Nobody there in the cave. Then running back to town, to the city, to tell the apostles and the others, Matthew says while they were headed back, quote, Jesus met them. And he said, Hi. And they came up and they took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. And then Matthew closes his narrative with these words. Now the eleven apostles, they went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Then we turn to John Mark's Narrative, close friend of Paul and of Peter. And he tells us, Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And again, now Mark, like Matthew, tells us Jesus did this three times on the way to Jerusalem. And then Mark tells us that on that Sunday morning, after Jesus' death, the women went to the tomb, and looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. They were alarmed. And he said to them, don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. Then we turn to the third gospel. Gospel narrative, according to Luke, who was a very close friend of Paul's, traveled with him for years on his missionary journeys. They ended up in Judea, in Jerusalem, for three years. And through those years, Luke did extensive research and interviewed many of the eyewitnesses, like Jesus' mom and the women who traveled with him. 
and Jesus' brothers and the apostles. And then Luke tells us also of the three times that Jesus spoke of his impending arrest and trial and bloody death and resurrection. And he tells us that when the women on that Sunday returned from the tomb, quote, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. And they didn't believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. And that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened while they were talking and discussing together. Jesus Himself drew near and went with them. And when He was at table with them in Emmaus, He took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized Him, and He vanished from their sight. And they rose that same hour, and they returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and He's appeared to Simon Peter. Then they told what happened to them on the road, and how He was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And then we turn to the fourth narrative of Jesus' close friend, John, where John relays his own experience, saying that after the women returned from the tomb, he and Peter both ran to the tomb. And John said, I got there. And I looked and I saw no body, but just the linen cloths lying there. Then Simon Peter came following me and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then I also went in. And I saw and believed. And then John tells us later that day, on that Sunday evening, while the doors were locked where the disciples had gathered together because of fear of the Jews, quote, Jesus came and He stood among us. And he said to us, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed us his hands and his side. And during those 40 days of many resurrection appearances, John said, 
We went back up to Galilee, and one morning while Peter and I, and Thomas and Nathaniel, and my brother James, we were fishing. All of a sudden, we noticed a man standing on the shore. And that man said to us, Children, do you have any fish? And we answered him, No. He said to us, Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So we cast it. And now we were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And John tells us, that's when I said to Peter, it is the Lord. And they grilled the fish. And they had breakfast with Jesus. And then we turn to Luke's concise narrative of the first 26 years of the church. And he begins it by saying, quote, Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering. He did this by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And then within days, after Jesus' ascension, the 120 disciples who had been gathering together every day in praying, they were convinced they needed to replace Judas. And Luke tells us they decided that replacement must be one of the men, quote, who accompanied us during all the time that Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And then a few days later, Pentecost comes, the Holy Spirit falls. And what was the core? of that first Christian message preached. Goes like this. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through Him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus Delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death. This Jesus God raised up. And of that, we hear we're all eyewitnesses. That was their message. Days later, Peter preaches again in the temple grounds. And he says to his fellow Jews, You denied the Holy One and the Righteous One 
And you asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. And to this, we here are witnesses. And the religious leaders got really annoyed because the apostles were quoting Luke now in, in Acts. They were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And then the next day, Peter and John were dragged before the religious authorities there in Jerusalem because of the miraculous healing in the temple grounds there of that crippled man. And Peter said to them, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus, the Messiah from Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you well. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 33, Luke summarizes the first few months of the ministry of these eyewitnesses, saying this, And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. A while later, the apostles were called before the religious council again, and the high priest charged them, Stop preaching Jesus. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we here before you are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. And then Jesus made a resurrection appearance to a Pharisee who, who was the leader of the Jewish persecution against Jesus' people. And after that Pharisee arrived in Damascus, Jesus sent a Christian to him. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, in the very first sermon to non-Jews, Peter was clear with his message to the Gentile gathering at Cornelius' house. Quote, And we are witnesses of all that he did, both 
in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put Jesus to death by hanging Him on a tree. But God raised Him up on the third day and made Him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses. We who ate with Him and drank with Him after He rose from the dead. That's Christianity. And then Paul, on his first missionary journey, he was invited to speak in the synagogue at Antioch in Pisidia. And he was clear with the core of the Christian message as he proclaimed to them, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, just as He promised through David. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize Him, nor understand what the Scriptures and the prophets were saying, which are read every Sabbath, they fulfilled them by condemning Him. And though they found no guilt in Him worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have Him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who were now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this He has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. And when Paul got to Thessalonica a few years later, again, he goes into the synagogue and on three Sabbaths he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining in proving that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and to rise from the dead. And saying to them, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Messiah. And then, in Athens, Paul concluded his public message to the pagan Greek philosophers with these words. The times of ignorance God overlooked. But now He commands all people everywhere to repent because He has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed. And of this He has given assurance to all by raising Him from the dead. 
That's the narrative in the New Testament. Now we turn to the letters written by the apostles to the churches where at the core they are teaching and unfolding the essence of what the gospel is, of what Christianity is. And at the center of it is Good Friday and Easter Sunday. The Apostle Paul, he opens up his great treatise on Christian theology with these words from Romans chapter 1. The gospel of God concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. And in Romans 4, Paul gets to the heart of Christianity when he writes, Righteousness will be counted to us who believe, put to our account, us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses, and he was raised for our justification. And in Romans 6, Paul connects our baptism to the historical fact of Jesus' resurrection when he writes, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. And in Romans 7, Paul connects our Christian walk directly to the reality of Jesus' resurrection, saying, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, that you may belong to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. And in chapter 8, the, the hope of our own, our bodies are going to, be dead, people are going to cry and they're going to look at them and they're going to be rock hard and we won't be in them. <clears throat> but the hope that one day when he returns, we will be raised just like Jesus was raised from the dead. Paul connects that hope directly to Jesus' historical resurrection 2,000 years ago, saying this, Hear him. If, if this is true of you, if the spirit of him 
who raised Jesus from the dead. If he dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also one day give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And the eternal security of Christians is rooted in Good Friday and Easter Sunday. As Paul tells us clearly in Romans 8. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. And more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed right now is interceding for us. And Paul lets us know the resurrection, actual, miraculous, dead mortal body coming to immortality in its humanness forever is at the core of what saving faith is. When he writes in Romans 10, 9, hear it. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then we turn to 1 Corinthians. And Paul declares in chapter 6, God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. And then, of course, the great 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is an extended exposition on the resurrection. Too long to read it here this morning, but just a portion. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be liars because we misrepresented God, because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise. If it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Jesus has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He's the first fruits of those who have already died.
And we turn to 2 Corinthians. And there, in chapter 4, Paul insinuates that saving faith knows something. It knows that Jesus is risen. Quote, Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us, Paul writes, with you, Corinthian church, into his presence. And when Paul opened up his angriest of all letters, the letter to the Galatians, writing against the false teachings of the Judaizers, he found a necessity in that context to make clear who he really was, not of his own will, but because of God's will, who he is, which was utterly rooted in the resurrection of Christ. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised Him from the dead. And then Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 1 that Christians would have the eyes of your hearts enlightened. That you may know what is the hope to which He's called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us? who believe according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places. And in Philippians 3, Paul gets very personal about his own walk with the Lord, saying, I press on that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Jesus in His death, so that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And in Colossians 2, Paul describes what we Christians are. Quote, Having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised Jesus from the dead. And Paul he saw the evidence of salvation in the newly formed church in Thessalonica when a few months later he wrote this to them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Here's his evidence. It's why he knows. You turned to God from idols to serve the living in true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom God raised from the dead. 
Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. And while sitting in prison, in his last months before his execution, Paul pens a letter to his spiritual son. Pastor Timothy, saying, and I say to you, remember, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. The offspring of David is preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering. In Hebrews chapter 2, he writes, For it was not to angels that God subjected the world which is to come. Now in putting everything in subjection to Him, He left nothing outside His control. Jesus was crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God He might taste death for everyone. And then... Thirty years after many resurrection appearances to Peter. Thirty years after Peter sat on that beach and heard Jesus ask him, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Thirty years later, Peter opens up his Christian manifesto with these words. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you, who through Him are believers in God who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. And then in 1 Peter 3, he describes saving faith as this. It's an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus. Christ. And then comes the last book of the Bible. 
The revelation that was given to his good friend John when he was 90 plus years old. Given 60 years after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. And Jesus appeared to John on that island. And then John says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But Jesus laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. And in Revelation 2, the resurrected, ascended Lord Jesus dictates a letter to a local church. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last, the one who died and came to life. And in Revelation 5, we see creatures worshiping the man who was crucified because he has been raised and seated on the throne. He gives us the picture. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb, the man who was killed. Worthy is that Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and glory and honor and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever. The cross of Jesus was not easy. The eternal God, the Son, the Creator of the universe, became a human being just like you and me in order to bear the wrath of God that was toward us. But He went to the cross knowing the plan of His resurrection and the joyful mercy that would result from it. And it was that knowing, as hard as it was, 
It is that knowing that got him through Gethsemane and the cross, as Hebrews 12.2 clearly tells us. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And finally, in the closing words of the Bible, the risen Lord Jesus speaks in Revelation 22. Behold, I am coming soon. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David. I am the bright morning star. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. And that's why we proclaim Jesus is risen indeed. Stand with me. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Let's sing our hearts out to our risen King.